My name is John Sylvester. I'm Australia's longest serving crime reporter and write a weekly column for The Age. Many of my colleagues have wondered why I've never bothered to move to other areas of the paper. The reason's pretty simple. I've got the best job in journalism, playing cops and robbers and getting paid for it. Over more than 40 years I've covered some of Australia's biggest crimes and met fascinating characters on both sides of the law. In this series, you'll hear from them, the cops and the crooks, telling their stories. Welcome to my world. Welcome to Naked City. Veteran homicide investigator Charlie Bassina was on leave and driving to Gippsland in eastern Victoria when his mobile phone rang. And I remember being on leave with my wife. We're heading down to Gippsland and uh, I happened to get a call just out of the blue. The man at the other end didn't need to introduce himself. They'd known each other for almost 10 years, although they would never be friends. How he perceived me, I don't know, but because of our relationship over the years, he thought to contact me and oblivious to the fact of you're my main suspect and I'm, I know you've, you've killed a Slavic. The caller was Slavic Ramchin, also known as Vic Ramchin. He'd phoned to say that one of his three gifted children had just won an international maths prize in the United States. He thought to contact me and punch out his chest and say, look how well my son has done. So proud as punch that his, his child had done so well. Certainly the academic results of the three children were outstanding. Charlie Bassana congratulated the proud father and wished his children well. But as he drove on, he wondered why Ramchin, who at the time was the prime suspect of his wife's disappearance, felt compelled to share the news with him. Again, it's odd. You don't know the relationships you're going to have or build with, with these accused people. The detective knew he would soon charge Ramchin with the murder of his missing wife, a crime the suspect always denied. He believed he was giving him a message. But what? Did he want the detective to know that despite the police belief he was a murderer, he was still a good father? Was Ramchin saying that whatever happened in April 1992, when Jackie Ramchin disappeared from her South Yarra mansion, it had not harmed the children? Or was he saying that his children were better off without a mother who would have destroyed his family and their financial security? That in desperate times, the end can justify the means. It is one small mystery wrapped inside the enigma of a murder investigation that will always remain suspended in time. Police divers today began searching dams on a property at Ashbourne near Woodend, looking for the body of 43-year-old Jacqueline Ramchen, who's believed murdered. The former model and television game show hostess and mother of three young children disappeared from her South Yarra home last April. When Jacqueline Mertens returned to Melbourne in 1980, after eight years overseas, she was broke. But the flighty former model had a plan to make sure she would always enjoy the lavish lifestyle she'd pursued around the world. The 1970s television game show hostess wanted a husband, children, a mansion and money. Lots of money. To win her version of the jackpot, the 32-year-old planned to use the most ancient method of all. She knew her bankable assets were her stunning looks and smouldering sexuality. The former model on the successful quiz, The Price is Right, no longer strutted the catwalk, but she still turned heads in the street. 
After her modest television career, she'd gone to Hong Kong and married. When that relationship failed, she moved to London to work in fashion and modelling before returning to Australia. Her plan to find a rich husband was not an original one. But what made Jackie Merton's different was she was honest about her intentions and ruthlessly determined in her application. I'll marry for money, love will come later, she told her friends. She remembered a stern-faced civil engineer with a business brain she'd met by chance at a Melbourne restaurant eight years earlier. They'd gone out once when she was about to leave to be married in Hong Kong. Now she wondered whether he was still available. His name was Slavic Ramchin. He was a hard-working, hard-drinking divorcee known as Vic. The two not-so-old friends went out to dinner, began to date, and within a month were living together. In June 1980, they married at the registry office. It was no society wedding, but the model and the businessman seemed happy enough. She was obviously a classic beauty. It would be many years before police would allege he was the classic beast. Vic Ramshan had built a strong civil engineering firm and was expanding into property development with projects in Gisborne and Northcote in Victoria. His work was professional and thorough. He once promised to build 10 shops in 12 weeks for the Gisborne development. He made the deadline. In 1979, he bought a weekender, Maston Grange, a beautiful 100-hectare property near Wood End. The following year, he built a big bluestone house there. Back then, the property was valued at around $1.5 million. Today, it'd be worth around $6.5 million. He was rich and getting richer. Jackie seemed content, but soon made it clear she wanted more. She wanted to be the model mother, as well as the socialite wife. Vic, eight years older, had lingering doubts. I didn't really want children. I considered myself too old to be kicking footballs around and other such fatherly activities. But she was young and wanted children. That's what he later said. Vic warmed to the idea, and the couple had two boys and a girl. Homicide investigator Charlie Bassena got to know the three kids over several years during this protracted investigation. Uh, the three kids? The three kids, yep. And a doting mother to her children. And uh, I'll just forget what the youngest was, probably five or thereabouts. Again, you know, with the children being raised, and, and Slavic was a type of chap that really wanted his kids to excel. The three kids were left at home, they certainly went to school, but um, no social interaction with other children. When I'd see them there, they were, they were very, um, you know, it's like keeping someone indoors with no exposure to the sun or the nature or anything. But they're highly intelligent, as Slavic was. All the Ramshan kids were to become gifted students, despite the trauma they were to endure. Two produced the perfect VCE score of 99.95, and the third scored 99 even. And unfortunately, well, there was a 20-year difference, about 20-year difference between, she was in the 40s, uh, Slavic was in his 60-plus, and he was a developer, owned a number of uh, developments that he'd been involved in, and a bit of a loner. Um, he was very close to another uh, Russian uh, fellow, uh, and that's about the only friend he had, but they would just spend a lot of time together and pretty much get drunk, and that's all they existed. Slavic was also a, an avid bird watcher. Used to go down to the Werribee Sewage Farm quite a bit with his uh, other male associate. That's all the friend that he had. 
As uh, their relationship went on, they were married, that it became untenable. I think the, the property market shrunk, but they, they were spending a fortune. They bought that place opposite Early Police College. Yeah, up Domain in, Road. Yeah, a beautiful place. But yeah. at one point, she was ambitious. They'd have, to, they'd have up to 50 tradespeople working on at a mm. time, so they're spending hundreds of thousands to bring oh. this mansion back to... Very to much. Schmeck. Still need a lot of work. And they had the country place. That's right. So yep. they're overextended to the buggery. Yep. And then everything starts going pear-shaped on, in, the, in, the in the marriage. Yep. After the birth of their third child in 1989, the Ramsons bought the 100-year-old mansion Fairburn in Domain Road, South Yarra, for almost $3 million. The once beautiful two-storey home had been renovated in the 1920s but had been in decline for years. The Ramsons were determined to return it to its prime. It would be the perfect stage for their showcase marriage. Jackie told friends they were spending hundreds of thousands on the renovations. Then came the crash. Financial, emotional and physical. The former The Price is Right hostess admitted marrying for money, not for love. She wanted a new life, she allegedly said, but couldn't leave because Slavic had the means to get the children. All described a loving mother who was close to her children. The first semi-public fracture in the marriage happened a year after the wedding. The Ramchins had a small function at their house and Vic Ramchin, as was his way, was holding court, making the point that education was the cornerstone of success. At this point, according to one of the witnesses, Jackie said whatever they could get with their education and money, she could get with this. And at that point, she pointed between her legs. Vic was shocked and angry at what he thought was a vulgar display. He stormed out and within hours, Jackie moved back to the parents' home in Belgrave. But they patched things up shortly after. Yeah, I got the feeling that that was one of the conflicts. She she was a social butterfly. Yep. And, uh, you know, there was one point, remember, there was a barbecue where he was saying it's all hard work and all Mm. hard work. And uh, Jacqueline indicated that there was more than one way to make a fortune and he was outraged. Well, that's right. And, of course, he then would go out of his way at the school in in social environments to accuse her of, of, you know, being having loose morals. That's right. So he really tried to humiliate her. Oh, very much. Slavic was brainwashing the children, calling um, your mother's a whore, she's this, she's that, and belittling her as best he can. After years of fighting, they were living separate lives, sleeping in different beds under the one roof. Certainly they were separated at that stage, living separate lives under these, in the same property line. Um... During that particular time, she had an, a, a she being Jackie had an association with a particular barrister. Vic Ramson believed his wife was having affairs. His fears and anger increased when she had breast enhancement surgery. I mean, who are you doing this for? Who are you going to show your bloody boobs to? He reportedly asked her. Those breast implants created another blue because he was upset that she'd. She'd done that because he he was saying to her, who are you going to show those boobs oh, to? That's right. That's so exactly he, right. And, and she bought some lacy underwear and he mm. said, well, that's not for me. Yeah. So he, he was incredibly jealous and he went after that barrister that had the fling. Very much so. And there were a lot of death threats there. Absolutely. And I think he was legitimately frightened. Absolutely. I remember talking to him and uh, that was through the, uh, the kindergarten around the corner. So, yeah, you're right. 
To mothers at the school her children attended, Mrs Ramshin allegedly said her husband was upset about her getting breast implants because he already had enough trouble with other men looking at her. The court heard she was videoed with another man and had an affair. The magistrate was told Mr Ramshin was a heavy drinker who verbally abused his wife. After their marriage disintegrated, Vic's verbal abuse worsened. At a school function, Ramshin introduced himself to another parent. How do you do? I'm Vic Ramshin, and my wife is a harlot. Jackie was no more interested in keeping matters private, telling the same parent that Vic demanded sex eight times a day. Some relationships slowly disintegrate, others explode. Few turn into the running public battle the Ramshins wage with each other. Even Vic would later say to the police that his marriage would, quote, make a bloody good soapy. The couple yelled in the street, argued at parties and involved friends, relatives and strangers in their fights. Some were bemused, others horrified, while most were riveted by this real-life soap opera. The big gates and the tall, spiked fence in front of the mansion couldn't conceal this ongoing war. Prior to the divorce proceedings starting, and that's when you need to be separated for 12 months, not under the same roof, there was a lot of uh, violence, uh, family violence, that she'd been attacked a number of times. Police had attended there a number of times. There was a couple of uh, nuns or a nun, particular nun that was sort of supporting her as best she could. She had a number of friends in the millinery. Uh, she was going to millinery class um, and the likes. And so she was a very likeable person and she was supported by her mother. Mother would be ringing her up um, and mum knew Jackie's mum knew that she was being assaulted and clumps of hair being ripped out of her head by Slavic and the violence that was going on, but she was there for the children. In a millinery class, she allegedly told her teacher and others her husband Slavic beat her but was careful not to mark her face. He turned their oldest child against her, she allegedly said, and had her followed by a private detective. On March 20, 1992, police were called to the house for a domestic disturbance. Jackie Ramshin claimed she was in the process of filing for divorce and had moved to the rear of the house. In those days, police left them to work it out. Today, you would hope they would take further action. Jackie's father suspected his daughter was the victim of violence for at least three years, but Jackie continued to claim she had, quote, walked into a door. We tried to get Jackie to leave Victor and to come and live at home, but she wouldn't leave, he later told police. There was one particular incident where um, they were having a fight. Slavic hops in his car. He was about to run her over in the driveway. Um, the nun arrives, intervenes. They report it to the Pram police station. And family violence wasn't the significant thing that it is today. In that driveway, which was quite long, mm. uh, the neighbours also said it was the other way around, where um, she jumped in the oh. car and said, look, just stand still while I run That's you over. Right. And he said, you wouldn't dare. One time a neighbour told police they heard Jackie saying, I'm sick of you calling me a whore and a prostitute. If I as much as look sideways, you think I'm having an affair with everybody. I may as well be dead as living the way you treat me. I heard Vic say, why don't you kill me, said the neighbour. She said, stand in front of the car and I'll run you over. Vic stood in front of the car, the BMW. Jackie got in, turned on the motor, opened the door, yelled out, get down the driveway further so I can get a run at you. Vic did this, and then Jackie drove at him quickly. When the car got near him, Vic jumped out of the way. It was only then that Jackie put the brakes on. The neighbour said, 
I couldn't say if the car would have hit Vic if he hadn't moved. I didn't know if Jackie would have been able to stop. Jackie screamed out he was a coward. She said, you won't even stand there and let me kill you, but you'll be happy when you kill me. If you like this podcast, please leave a review. We've been overwhelmed, such as Joey 0077. I love this podcast. I like that you are short and sharp. Or Kajongo, one of the best podcasts out there. So to those of you who've taken the time to leave those sort of lovely reviews, thank you. And to those of you who have bagged it, go and get stuffed. Jacqueline Ramshin, the court heard, told near strangers of her troubled marriage before she disappeared in 1992. At 8.30am on April 10, 1992, Jackie Ramshin drove her three children to school in Punt Road, South Yarra, in her blue BMW. The school insisted a parent or carer sign the attendance book and sign again when the kids are picked up. Jackie signed the book when she dropped them off and she was designated to pick them up later. Yet it was Vic who collected them at 2.50pm that day, 10 minutes early. There were no signs of Jackie. The school hadn't been notified of the change of arrangements as was required, but it was such a minor breach of the rules no one worried, certainly at the time. But it was the last day of term and it would be two weeks before anyone at school would notice she was gone. It would be five weeks before she was reported missing. Police believe Vic chose that time knowing that he would get those few weeks break before anyone noticed. Up until such time that uh, this particular time was uh, they were coming up to school holidays. So Vic's mother was uh, very elderly. She was living in South Melbourne and they had their country property um, up near Macedon and a uh, very palacious mansion, as it were. The, the fireplace was just enormous. A uh, big uh, concrete cellar that he'd built and it backed onto a state forest. And uh, the plan was that the, they were going to go to um, the mansion on the weekend, on the school holidays, and uh, Jackie had made arrangements to see Mum, etc., about the school holidays, preparing things and what we're going to do, when we're going to catch up, etc., etc. So she then disappears off the face of the earth. Jackie disappears. And the next thing you know, he goes away with the children to the property, comes back, but doesn't go straight home on this particular weekend. Goes to his mother's place and has a Chinese dinner. The day Jackie went missing, Vic left his children with his mother and went with a friend to Maslin Grange. The next day he returned and took his children out for a Chinese meal, showing little concern that his wife was gone, even though her BMW was still parked in the drive. Then he finally goes home, and lo and behold, his story is, the slut, the whore, she's left me, good riddance, we don't want to see her, we don't want to do this, and played the, uh, the, the husband that had just been left by his, uh, his uh, wife, and he didn't want any part of her. Jackie's whereabouts became the subject of real concern and idle gossip among many of the mothers in the schoolyard. On May 11 or 12, Jackie's mother, Henny Mertens, went to Vic's house to ask him about Jackie's whereabouts. When she went to Fairburn, Ramchand said, well, she's left me. Mrs Mertens spoke to Sister Kennan, the nun who'd been on the lookout for Jackie, who ended up reporting Jackie as missing to the Paran police. The nun 
or this other person was in supporting uh, Jackie become very suspicious of it. She was actually one the one reported missing to the Pram Police Station, went to her missing persons bureau, they started the investigation, things weren't ringing true, no woman would leave her siblings, she never contacted her mother, and things started to look very smelly. That's when we graduated to my team to start looking at. When the police investigation began, the mother of three had been missing for 38 days. On May 18, 1992, two police went to the mansion to make inquiries about Jackie Rampton's disappearance. They found the front gate was chained and padlocked. They had to scale the two-meter fence to get in. They told Rampton his wife had been reported missing and asked why he hadn't bothered to report her disappearance. He said, quote, I wasn't too concerned because I believe she'd run off with whoever. Charlie Bassena and the homicide team went down all avenues to find out what happened to Jackie Ranchin. When Bassena searched the house in 1992, they found the front entrance area could have been a cover shot from Vogue, furnished with exquisite antiques and period pieces. The rest of the ground floor was functional, but upstairs was very poor, with empty rooms and mattresses strewn over the floor. So we started doing a, a minute search of the mansion, a very Again, it was still dilapidated pretty much. They're only using the main rooms. They even used radar to check under concrete floors at Fairbank. They found nothing. We started looking at uh, grounds. Has she been buried in the grounds? There was a particular little cellar that had been freshly poured with concrete. We then got um, ground penetrating radar to start doing that. We actually tracked down the concreters to make sure when did they lay it. These are all the avenues we started looking at, so we had nothing to uh, suggest that she'd been uh, uh, killed at the house. However, through doing a, um, a luminol check, we then found what we thought were blood droplets down the staircase from the bathroom. We then took the carpet away for further examination, but luminol is a little bit... Uh, you know, reacts to different things. So we, you can't take 100% unlock DNA. Then our other main issue was searching the country property, which was on major acres. I think you had about seven or eight dams. Yeah, it was a huge place. Huge place. However, we took out a warrant to search the place and we had search and rescue, horses, motorbikes. We used the uh, helicopter with the fleur. And what we can detect with the fleur is any disturbed soil yeah. and the likes. So we did all that. So we were searching that property for over a week. Within a few weeks, the mystery surrounding the Ramptons spread to their country property with reports of two unexplained burglaries. Police found little sense in these crimes. The thieves gained access to the house by jemmying a wooden side door. It was strange because the point of entry was visible from the road, even though there were obvious access points away from public view. The burglar showed uncharacteristic consideration, choosing the point of entry that would cause the least damage to the property, often the sign of an inside job. The thieves also appeared to know what they wanted. There was no ransacking of the house and no apparent search for valuables. They stole a large woolen rug, three smaller rugs and a small colour television. The large rug was under a solid coffee table, which would have taken two strong people to move, yet the value of the rug was not substantial. Police at the scene wondered why the thieves would ignore valuables to take the rug. They concluded the rug must have been important to someone, or someone wanted it to disappear. And this is the legalities of things. We have to then keep possession of that property. Because once we leave the property, we have to take it a fresh warrant. But it was quite obliging. 
Charlie, no problems. Go for your life. Mate, leave you. I don't need you to take out extra warrants. We couldn't stay there 24-7. So we'd go there one day. We had the diving every dam, looking for that. We then started searching the, the state forest that the property backed onto. We looked at the fireplace. We actually got bone fragments in the fireplace. We had hair. We did all those examinations. Nothing could then tie back to Jackie, unfortunately. Five weeks before Jackie Ramshan disappeared, the Commonwealth Bank had sent Ramshan a letter demanding the repayment of a $3.1 million loan. If his wife had divorced him and demanded $1.5 million, he may have been forced to sell all his property at the bottom of the cycle. And then I took the unusual step. Even though we don't have to prove motive, I engaged the services of a divorce solicitor because I wanted to show to a jury because what was putting together was a circumstantial case. More often than not, circumstantial cases are very powerful because you can't cross-examine circumstances. They are what they are, and you leave it for the hands of the jury. So we engaged this um, divorce solicitor because I wanted to prove a motive as to why he would want to kill her. A family law court lawyer said if the Ramsons had become involved in a bitter divorce, legal fees would have been in excess of 300000 It was his fortune. So I wanted the divorce solicitor to be able to show me. We did the financials, certainly on Slavic. He's a multimillionaire. Um, other um, real assets that he had in developments up at uh, up the country uh, and elsewhere. And then as a result of that, clearly she was going to get half or certainly a large percentage of that. And Slavic would not have a bar of that. It was my money. I'm not giving half of that. The other interesting point that I put to Slavic when I spoke to him eventually she had her own credit cards based on a joint account. Slavic doesn't stop any of those. His view was she's run off with a lover, good riddance, I want to get rid of her, I've never killed her, nothing's happened to her, she just left me while I was away with the children. Why didn't you stop her credit cards? It's your money. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't want, I didn't, didn't need to. They weren't being used. Whatever excuse you come up with. But that was odd in itself. According to police, she had access to five family and business accounts that held up to $350,000. Yet there's no record of her trying to withdraw any money or of her husband bothering to inquire if any of the money was missing. He either knew she wouldn't move on the cash or he was beyond caring. Or, more likely, he knew she couldn't. Well, I imagine you thought, well, the reason he didn't cancel them because he knew she was in no condition to ever use them again. Absolutely. His money was safe. When we then went to Interpol, we've done all the checks. We did the Medibank checks. He hasn't been treated by a doctor anywhere. She has not contacted her mother, which is just so unusual. We checked that she hadn't left the country. She wasn't a person of any means that she could get a false passport. Why would she? Few people no matter how desperate or cunning, can disappear without leaving an electronic footprint. Police check credit cards, Medicare, immigration, change of name records, taxation, social security, births, deaths and marriages and road traffic authorities. They found that Jackie Ramson's licence had lapsed and she'd not tried to get any money from any of the family accounts. Even if uh, she'd left him, her support would have to come from her mother and her parents were so close. No contact at all. So we were convinced. Witnesses swore that Jackie would never leave her children and always contacted her family on birthdays 
anniversaries and special events. They said they were convinced she was dead, but others said she discussed vanishing without trace into Asia. She has been killed. Our task before us was, how are we going to prove that Slavic was there? Over a period of time, five years then elapses. And we come to a decision, we then have a close relationship with um, the GPP, I think it was Paul Coleman at that stage. We, we worked very closely with Paul, with his advice, so we said, yep, we've got enough circumstantial evidence to charge him. So based on that, he gave us that advice, we made the decision to charge him, or I did. And um, over that period of time, the five years expired, and they made the decision to arrest him. The prosecution says he didn't report her missing or search for her and had the motive, opportunity and desire to kill her. Detective Senior Sergeant Bassina finally arrested Ramchin. The suspect didn't see it coming. I'm shocked. I mean, I can't see the basis of these charges, he protested. Luckily for Vic and his children, he was released on bail the same day he was arrested. Then we took the unusual step, which what normally happens is once you arrest someone for a murder... Uh, and they're remanded in custody, they must apply to the Supreme Court for bail. However, we were confronted with the fact of having the three children, young children, and him then saying that my elderly mother can't care for the children. So rather than keep him in, uh, in custody on remand from the day we arrested him, we took the most unusual step of then going to the Supreme Court on the same day of his arrest. They listed it through his solicitor, it was Bob Galbally, and made application for bail, not opposed by us, because we looked at the support of the children being the most important thing. The sister couldn't do it, certainly the mother couldn't do it, and the only carer was Slavic himself. And uh, based on our support, uh, he got bailed the same day we arrested him for the murder, which is unheard of, unheard of. But that's how we work. When he was asked if he wanted to say anything, he responded... Not at this stage. There would be plenty said later, obviously. And there was. The prosecution was relying heavily on circumstantial evidence as they hadn't found Jackie's body. The prosecution admits no body has been found and there's no forensic evidence to support their case. But the defence says Mrs Ramshin wasn't killed at all. She simply disappeared. But Charlie Bassina felt there was a sliver of a chance if Ramchin was to stand trial in front of a jury. We certainly had a conviction. I think it was one other conviction many years ago that we convicted uh, someone without a body. So it wasn't beyond the realms of possibilities we could do it. And I felt very strong about it to say, if I could get these circumstances before a jury, I'm pretty confident a jury's going to look at it as I did, as a normal, logical thinking person. Well, it doesn't make sense. And uh, Ramchin didn't stand trial? No, he didn't. Well, at that stage, he had one of the most eminent uh, defence barristers, uh, Robert Richter. Ramchin had a top legal team, expertly led by Robert Richter QC. Richter successfully defended Melbourne identity Mick Gatto against the charge of murdering suspected underworld hitman Andrew Veneman. Gatto later had Richter's name tattooed on his chest. That's a pretty good recommendation. You can hear from Mick Gatto himself in the episode, The Best Defence is Self-Defence. We went to committal. Uh, the eminent uh, Robert Richter presented it. 
and basically what he put up before a magistrate. And the magistrate's got to decide, on the evidence before me, would a jury convict? So we led the evidence, and I remember being cross-examined as, uh, and you know you're being cross-examined by someone as eloquent as Rob Richter. He's pretty good. Very good. He's one of the best in Australia. So uh, no, no funds were spared. The committal hearing took eight expensive days. Richter argued the Crown had not proven that the missing woman had not deliberately disappeared or had fled or had met her death at the hands of someone else. And really the crux of it come was when I was asked a specific question. Charlie, how do you know she has not run off with one of her lovers? My response was, well, she wouldn't leave us, her children. She would contact her mother. She was separated. She was out of the violent relationship. I proved the motive. I did all that. Yeah, but he persisted. But you can't say 100% that she has not run off with someone and being kept by someone of some means. And the answer has to be no. Well, I can't prove that. And based on that, the the magistrate came back and said, based on that, um, discharged him. And he said he, he believed, the magistrate believed the jury wouldn't convict A legal team of four, including Queen's counsel Robert Richter, successfully fought the murder charge against Slavic Ramshin. Mr Richter argued the prosecution had been breathtakingly speculative, likening it to the case of Lindy Chamberlain, where no body was found. Magistrate Kim Parkinson found there was not enough evidence to show Mrs Ramshin was dead, mentioning that she told others she was capable of disappearing without a trace. Mrs Ramshin's family was disappointed by the outcome. On March 14, 2002, Magistrate Kim Parkinson found there was insufficient evidence to present Ramson before a Supreme Court jury on the charge of murder. He was instantly released. But after the hearing, Ramson, then 61, was a much less imposing figure. Soon after he was acquitted, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Charlie Bassana passed a message to the ill man. He wanted an anonymous letter telling him where to find Jackie's body. Charlie wrote, I would like to be able to find her for the sake of the family. The other thing is all of them um, are so devastated when they don't get the body. It's so important for them to lay them to rest, particularly if it's been a a violent offence. I think it's... We both know a number of cases where the people will never rest until they until the, that body's found. I mean, and it, there was a postscript because Vic got cancer, he was terminal. He died cancer, yep. And you went out to see him? Yep. Again, that last, hopefully, deathbed confession of just saying, well, look, you're certainly not going to get convicted or charged again. Hopefully he'll say, look, okay, she's this particular location and we would have gone exhumed the body and hopefully given some solace and some, some uh, uh, respite and... Uh, closure or ending of the investigation to the mother and I'm very big on that I've done a number of investigations to say well look I don't care if I get an anonymous phone call to just say tell me where the body is if I ever found the body even though badly decomposed it would have been that Jackie had breast implants breast implants have um, serial numbers on them and the breast implants being silicon they're not going to deteriorate significantly in the file was also the serial numbers of the breast implants so ever we find the body in the file there's the breast implants that's a serial number that's the surgeon who implanted them uh, and then go from there so you're thinking ahead all the time to say we've got no body but eventually hopefully we find it to this day uh, Jacqueline's body's never been found 
the anonymous letter Charlie was hoping for never arrived. Ramchand died in October 2002, and his fortune was distributed according to his will. Under the law, his wife would have been able to make a legally binding case for a share. All the former TV glamour girl who dreamt of being a millionaire had to do was come forward. But of course she couldn't. Naked City is brought to you by The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Subscriptions power our newsroom. So to support independent journalism, consider subscribing to the Sydney Morning Herald or The Age. This episode was produced and edited by Anu the Axe Hasbolt. It was mixed by Cool Hand Cormac Lally. Archives by Nine and 3AW. Tom McKendrick is head of audio. I'm John Sylvester. Thanks for listening.